welcome to the Birth Activists podcast, hosted by me, Becky Scott, and fellow doula and activist, Samantha Gadsden. Hello everybody, welcome to the Birth Activists podcast, and today, as usual, we have the beautiful Samantha Gadsden. Hi Sam. Hi Becky. Today we have a lovely doula with us and that is Amy and Amy would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Hello Becky and Sam and hello everyone. My name's Amy Hamblin and I'm a doula and doula trainer with Developing Doulas and I am also a meditation teacher and energy healer and I'm coming to talk to you about how I see doula work as essentially sacred activism, which is very exciting and something I'm very passionate about. It is, and and having met you before, Amy, in person, you know, you've got that lovely um, aura about you and you're just so calm. And even on video, you know, you can just sense how calm you are and how peaceful, it's lovely. Oh, thanks, not all the time, but but I'll take the compliment. (laughs) So you can see Hi, Sam. You used to be based in London, didn't you? Yes. So I I actually did my initial doula training when I lived in Spain um, and kind of started my um, birth journey there because that's where I was pregnant and had my baby. And um, then moved to London when Lulu was three, so in 2012. And then have done most of my doulaing in London, in North London, in Finsbury Park. And very recently in this crazy pandemic COVID year, uh, Lulu and I have moved to Brighton. Lovely. Yeah, so we're by the sea now. Lovely part of the country. Mm. So so whenabouts did your um, sort of spiritual development start in terms of like your doula journey? Was it something that happened at the same time or were you you sort of on that spiritual path before you became a doula? How did that come about? No, I I, actually I think that I was a child that kind of came in with a yearning or connection for something beyond the the kind of the physical if you like and so that's it seems to be a common theme when I talk to people even people that wouldn't necessarily describe themselves as having the spiritual path or or religious in any way or sort of actively um kind of connected to what might be labeled as spiritual but I think for for many of us through childhood there can be experiences which are um, connected to something deeper or mysterious so I remember for example I think one of my first sort of obvious or memorable spiritual experiences was when I was about 11 or 12 I was camping with some friends through the through the girl guides very wholesome activity (laughs) and um and we, we got to sleep out of our tents one night and we lay in under the stars and there was a meteor shower, there was um, shooting stars. And I remember just crying my eyes out um, with the beauty and the awe and the like wonder of it and felt so connected to the people I was with and the whole universe and the magic and mystery of life at age 11. Um, 
and I think that is so that for me was is like a, a real standout memory of wow the the world is a really beautiful and amazing or inspiring kind of place and mm -hmm. I think that's a feeling that even people who don't have a path um a spiritual path or don't necessarily know that kind of feel that that's um something that they obviously want to get connected to they often feel that feeling when they have a baby yeah so it's kind of like I think there's a sort of essence there that um that is that we all have had moments where we're kind of transported beyond the small self the, the, the kind of what we might call the ego state yeah um, and I guess that was my first one when I was 11 and then I was really lucky because I actually went to a Catholic school despite my parents not at all being Catholic but I think there was something for me in my sort of so my I feel like my soul kind of needed that experience of being within quite a religious context through my teens years and um and I really loved being in church and I really loved I, I remember also having um a really beautiful experience listening to Gregorian chant in a in a temple in um it wasn't a temple it felt like a temple in a church in Milton Keynes where I lived it was a beautiful mass a mo mo um, multiple denomination mass with Gregorian chant and again having this totally transported transcendental experience as a teenager and through the music and through the intention and then I think as a, as a you know through my teens and my early 20s I kind of fell out of love with Christianity as a sort of dogma or the you know some of the political if you like aspects of some of church teachings or um that felt um you know for example I in my 20s I was coming out as gay queer um I didn't feel like the church had a good rep around <laughs> gay rights they were still like debating whether in the church of England whether women could be preachers you know so you know some of the different churches opinions on things like abortion was troubling for me in at that point yeah so, um yeah so I kind of um although I very very much appreciate my the grounding of that time in my teenage years um well, I think that's the thing with with a lot of religious practices Amy is that obviously they're very old and they are very patriarchal which as doulas is something that we're obviously fighting against constantly so it just really rubs against the grain doesn't it to sort of um yeah to sort of be involved with a religion but just to sort of clarify to to the listeners is that what we're talking about here is not religion religion um, is made isn't it I'm really interested in what you've just said, Amy, because I'm a Maltese Catholic and um, you're the first person I've ever spoken to who's been through the Catholic school system, who actually talks about it with great joy um, <laughs> and that it enhanced your spirituality because most of the people I know, it put us off, um, particularly in the UK, because in Malta, the churches are so beautiful and some of the churches here are quite austere as well. So it just felt like a big 
chore that we had to do every Sunday. It didn't touch. It, it's really, although I quite like the hymns, um, I just find that fascinating. It's really nice to listen to somebody talking about it with, with such like uplifting wonder. Sorry, oh. change. Go back to what Becky was saying. No, now. it's fine. Well, just actually what you said there, Sam, was, and it sort of sparked a question in my head because I went to a Church of England school. My family weren't particularly religious at all, but I, um, the same as you, um, have have not necessarily devoted to a spiritual path, but definitely there's been an element of spiritualism in my life for a long time, which wasn't, you know, down to my parents forced me to go to church which a lot of you know people that I, I knew at the time was the case and I think that has definitely given me a foundation to being um, you know compassionate and understanding of other people and also other people's beliefs and so it's really interesting to hear you say that but also on the other side is that I've had I have a real um, dislike of religion because you know it, it does cause um a lot of wars it has caused wars it has caused hardship and like you were saying about the whole thing about um you know the debate over gay marriage or abortion to name but a few um has obviously like you said not put religion in in a good light but sam even though you had a negative experience with the catholic church would you say that has actually given you that kind of grounding no <laughs> no because I went to very catholic schools both of the schools I went to from my early years through to my secondary education were attached to convents and they were very staunchly catholic so we were right. brought up and, and I think I'm probably that little bit older than both of you as well so I was brought up I, I was raised in catholic schools where very much the concept of original sin anybody who wasn't catholic was going to hell that we weren't allowed to leave the crusts on our bread because of the poor starving children in in africa and how it would be it was it was not an open-minded we weren't encouraged to think for ourselves you know it was this is yeah. the way it is if you have an abortion you know i used to bear in mind i go with people who have terminations now oh you know when i when i was 13 it was like oh i would never have an abortion it was very it was very 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 rigid in its thinking and you know we did our religion the only gcse or o level as it was then we did early was religion and we did it a year early and we did it a year early so we could do social development and pse and sex ed with nuns Nuns who talk to us about the evils of boys putting their hands between our legs. Um, the only sex ed that we had was a cross-section diagram of a vagina and a penis um, as part of our human biology lesson. We did have a woman who came in to talk to us about the rhythm method of contraception. And when our nun went to the toilet, she literally said, this is for people who can afford to get pregnant. And then when the nun came back, she had to shut up. And just because we were just, we were just, I, and I went to a Catholic all girls convent school as well. So I felt it was a very sheltered life that didn't prepare us for questioning or, so it's not just the concept of going to church. It was the whole ethos of, of mm. schooling, which, you know, and my parents weren't particularly religious, but obviously when being Maltese, they were very Catholic. You know, my dad wasn't Catholic at all, but, you know, we went to church every Sunday, whether we were, you know, I used to say to my mum, why does God want me to be bored every Sunday? Like, that's what I used but to say. Despite that, Sam, despite that, you, you know, you are a practicing 
Pagan, yeah. you are yeah. spiritual. I, found, I came back into it now when I found paganism, and I don't like to give myself a label, to be honest. We're going off into me. We'll go back to Amy in a minute. I, I've only I've only kind of picked up the, the label pagan because it's just an easy way to explain things. I tend to not think of myself as being from any particular religion, yeah. but there is something really familiar and really comforting about ritual and frankincense and drumming and chanting. It, it does pick up on that. You can see where the links between Christianity and taking over the old ancient festivals. It, it is that, you know, and that's when I first went to my very first ritual and somebody said, well, how do you feel? And I said, well, I just feel familiar. I just feel, you at know, home. at home yeah. and the robes and all of the things. I don't use robes, but, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's all got that familiarity of childhood. And it wasn't an awful upbringing. I don't want anybody to think that it was terrible. It just wasn't... Yeah. My daughter's behind me. Yeah, my daughter says it just it just wasn't me. And you're right. I just never quite felt like it was right. And I didn't like the judge. I've never been comfortable with the judgment that went hand in hand with it of other people. You know, even as a child, I always felt that that was not right to be thinking that everybody who wasn't like you was going to hell. I think that was my point is that religion is very much you've got to be in this box or that box or or say you're, you're this or you're that and Amy I know a little bit about you know your spiritual work and so would you like to just have a little you know yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah well I think that's some really I think also what Sam what you're talking about is a really common experience for lots of people who who and from more, many different faith traditions um, you know that I think from you know, the 60s onwards, that there's been a diverging of breaking out of that kind of um, holding pattern um, of where people have kind of wanted more freedom and that's come up against kind of more dogmatic religious or structures. Yeah. And also your point, Sam, I really liked about paganism predating Christianity in this land and in Europe. Um, and really, I guess, and your point, Becky, sort of to bring those two together about the patriarchy, because if we think about, you know, in essence, Christianity was quite a radical. Jesus was pretty radical. He was yeah. he was an activist for the poor. He was anti um, government. He was anti, um, you know, he was anti like um, anti establishment, yeah. anti imperial power. And really Christianity kind of got co-opted as part of the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire's kind of way of um, bringing power. And then, and therefore, you know, if, if you think from the ne next thousand years, many religions have been co-opted into power, power structures, yeah. Yeah. and have been co-opted as part of um, power-based struggles and how can we keep power centralized and how do we so it's, for me it's kind of like spirituality went into and became part of what the mechanisms for holding power dynamics in a certain way that were oppressive for many different peoples yes. um, and it's been used in that way but there is a core essential spirit to all of the religions and um, the ones that we can name and the ones that we can't name that has a kind of um, truth or essence. And I think it's an interesting thing. So for me, when I kind of went through that kind of turmoil of like 
well, I, there's this yearning in me. There's this yearning for the for God or divine or the oneness or the or unity that feels really like a palpable lived experience. Um, and I, yet at the same time, I'm, I'm I, I can't kind of I can't. It's like putting a round block in a square hole. It's like yeah. it doesn't not working for me here in this situation. You know how how can I? I can't resolve this. And I guess it, and then going to university, I found yoga. So, and obviously that comes from an Eastern tradition that comes from India, it comes from a kind of Hindu Eastern spirituality, which is, you know, the, so I guess my, um, then I was like, okay, so here's another form of spirituality, which feels more comfortable to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, it feels so the idea of multiple gods and goddesses felt more comfortable. Yeah. It felt more inclusive. Um, it was like, well, you can have Jesus as one of your gods. You don't have to get rid of Jesus. <laughs> like you can keep Mary and Jesus and you can have Shiva and Ganesha and Durga as well. Um, so I, there was like a plurality of within a kind of that tradition that felt more comfortable to my being that felt more open and I think it's interesting like what you were saying Becky because in Hinduism for example in within that plurality you have the there is the worship of the divine mother which paganism has so it, as well like there's the there's this it's kind a crossover. of yeah and or at least mm. so I think many of the patriarchal dogmatic religions kind of fell into quite a masculine mode yes and kind of part of the way of keeping the oppression was by um squashing the, the feminine principle yeah. um and kind of oppressing that and that's kind of and in a way that sort of segues into birth if you like yeah how we can um so I kind of feel like um I, my soul was kind of yearning for this more balanced um, whole understanding of the divine, that God wasn't a kind of white skinned, long haired man in the sky. You know, God was the earth and God is the rivers and uh, God is, has a multiplicity and, and God exists within all of us. Yeah. So... And that felt more accessible through more of that, the kind of Eastern, many of the Eastern paths. But obviously that then we have to have, um, there's a big kind of coming, kind of circling right back to where I am right now, because at the moment I feel like I'm doing another sort of political unpicking because as someone that's sort of been very attracted and spent a lot of time within kind of, Eastern Indian Hindu kind of flavored spiritual practices, really reflecting at the moment on what does that mean for me to be a white European British person yeah. in the in the you know the legacy of colonialism and 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 that relationship between India and Britain and how do we how do we as you know what's what's appropriate and what's appropriation yes. where's what's my place in that so it's still there's still ongoing unraveling 
so I guess that was that was but that was and then I went to India in my 20s and I and that I think was a very significant experience for me Mm. and at the same time my dad got ill and when I got back from India he died and that was in my kind of late 20s and that was a very spiritual experience so I guess that was a like a before I'd witnessed a birth or experienced giving birth myself other than being born I witnessed my dad leaving his body I was there luckily when he left and for me that was profoundly spiritual it was like a lot of uh, conversations about the closeness and the the correlation between a birth and death it's it's that that you know the the veil is thin isn't there and there's that period of, of transition and being in between um so yeah it's definitely a correlation there isn't there yeah I mean it was it was it was kind of was like well if I was in any doubt about the existence of the soul or the existence Mm of um spirit then I'm not anymore because it was so clear to me that I I that as you say the days leading up to his death that um his he was leaving his body he was half in half out half in half out until he finally passed on and then it was clear that he left he went and and he had there were there were you know he saw angels he would you know like that it was it was clear he he saw and beings angelic beings people would yeah. I don't know, people would call them different things but he you know it was a very beautiful experience other than being very sad it was it was yes. one of those awe-inspiring beautiful connected loving moments and I'm really grateful for that you know that I got to experience that Mm, as a a death you know I sat sat in a hospital with my friend for the three days and that moment you feel the moments when the soul leaves the body it's so lovely that you could be there with your father and and have that time to have a good death and a good birth and to say goodbye and to I'm so pleased that you had that as well it was beautiful and it was it was a real blessing it was really it was really profound and then my daughter was born I think like four years later so again, it, that was another kind of spiritual moment when I again realized, and even, you know, for, for me personally, I didn't, I had, um, I had a, it wasn't that I had a typical spiritual birth, you know, it was actually, unfortunately had a lot of obstetric um, problems within my birth. So it wasn't that I had this sort of amazing what I, you know, witnessed with clients, kind of wonderful, empowering water birth, for example, um, it was a really challenging for many reasons. But still, for me, that that um, like there is a new human now here. Yeah. You know that moment of realization. This soul has landed. So for me, birth is very much all birth, wherever it takes place, however it happens. Birth is a, a true liminal space. So a liminal space is, is what we would call a portal between worlds. And yeah. that moment, be it cesarean, be it vaginal delivery, be it whatever birth is happening, that moment when the head is out and the body is in or in a breech birth, the body is out and the head is in. It's like a moment where the baby is literally 
between two worlds, part here and part there, in physical form. I, I just don't think there's anything, anything quite, quite like it in any other. There's no other aspect of life. Maybe heart surgery when they take the heart, heart out. Yeah, and it's like that. that I think we, we were um, we we're just chatting uh, before the podcast, weren't we, as well about. Um, you know, uh, girls starting menstruation and the fact that there, there is a, a process. It's not just one minute you, you're ovulating the next minute you are. There's a process that happens that is very similar to labour uh, and, you know, what happens during pregnancy and into labour uh, and then to the birth. It's it's a process. It's a not one, one minute you're not in labour, the next minute you are. You know, there's things that happen along the way and things change. And it's the same when, when girls are leading up to the menstruation. It's the same when women are coming towards their menopause is that there's this whole process that happens. And like you said, Amy, it's the process with dying as well. And I had a similar experience to you with, with my nan. And the same with you. It's really nice to hear you talk about that, actually, because um, I remember on the, the weeks le leading up to her death, she'd talk about like friends that had passed over that were coming to see her, coming to get her was what she said. And she'd be, she was so stubborn. She'd be like, I'm not ready to go yet. I told her to go away. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> and they did, there is, there's, you can just tell, can't you, when they're just not quite in this world. And then, and like you said, you just get that feeling when once that soul leaves them, uh, it's like that moment when a baby enters the world, isn't it? It's like, wow, you know, you can't you can't get as high as that on any kind of uh, legal or illegal drug. <laughs> well, there is there is a hormone that is oh I can't remember what it's called. It begins with a with a P that is only released at birth and death. Mm. It's involved in lactation. One of my friends is pro, a not prolactin. It's forensic pathologist, and he told me that it's <laughs> birth and it's released to death. It's the same hormone. Yeah. The Amazing. other thing I find fascinating, Amy, is that your spiritual beliefs are lying. Like I've just left my children to form their own belief systems. Um, obviously, they come to a lot of stuff with me, but your beliefs, particularly what you've been vocalizing, are exactly what my daughter says. Is, it, like to my children, it's obvious that there's lots of gods and goddesses. And, and you know, she says that Jesus is just another one of the gods, but really selfish because he wants to be the only one. That's how <laughs> she describes it. But what you're talking about, and I do think that children are born with an innate knowing and then we train it out of them. Yeah. So mine are quite quite open to you know she'll tell me off because she doesn't like people in school knowing that she believes in gods and goddesses and fairies and dragons and all the other things um but yeah you you're you're touching on lots of things that without i've not done any training i've just what i've picked up along the way and you're talking about stuff that in our family is exactly where we where we're at um it, and, and interestingly the basis of my belief now is a yoga yantra that i don't actually do yoga but it's got a tiny heart in the middle and then all the religions of the world around the outside and all the different symbols mean something including one for other which is people with no and that we all come from the same heart space yeah that we all, all are the same at the core and that's where I sit and it's interesting listening to you because you sound the same <laughs> and it is about also it's just about giving them that space and freedom isn't it as as children um, you know, like in, 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 in probably a lot of our um, childhoods, we weren't given that space. But now as we grow, we're, we're given that space to sort of investigate things. Um, yes. So, Amy, um, obviously you're a birth worker, as we are. And um, so 
tell us a little bit how you feel your your spiritual um, foundations and beliefs uh, help you in supporting your clients. Tumbleweed. <laughs> yes, that's, that's I, did, I, I thought you were going to ask me something else. So I was like, <laughs> no, like preempting a different, slightly different question, and then my brain went, "Oh, she didn't actually say that." Um, how That'll do teach I teach you to assume I, things, won't it? <laughs> how did? How do I find it helps? So, I guess how it helps. Okay, so I guess how it helps me is, I guess, despite maybe some, you know, like cliches out there about hippies if you like um that you know maybe they're all like phoebe from friends um, <laughs> that it's all very ungrounded and um la la actually for me that i found the more i've gone deeper and deeper with my own spiritual practice and my own um yeah kind of making you know it's gone deeper as I, I think from when my daughter was born, it was kind of that at that point. And then I found my, my spiritual teacher, um, I met her in 2013. And that's sort of when I found a container that really has helped me kind of take that even further. It's actually helped me get more grounded and more practical than I was before. Okay. So, and I think I'm, maybe I'm lucky because the spiritual work that I've done with my spiritual teacher, she's very much about spirituality being practical. Mm. So she, obviously, there are some paths that might mean you go into a monastery or into a cave and you meditate or pray. And your role in that life is really to, to kind of um, connect to the oneness in a very um, solitary way or in, in a, in a, and those people are kind of holding a vibration of love, anchoring love kind of on their own or within a group kind of ex separate from the rest of society. But Cutting so, out all the distractions, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that has a really important, you know, place in terms of, you know, different paths are gonna look really different for different people and that's, um, all perfect um, and we're very lucky on planet earth that there are many different paths like multiple different flavors of ice cream so we can choose the one that we like the best but ultimately it's all going in it's all ice cream at the end of the day yeah. um, but so for me I, I I've needed a spirituality that's kind of grounded and is helping me to have, um, what, were you saying this at the beginning, Sam, more compassion? Oh no, Becky, you were saying it about kind of maybe some of those foundational Christian lessons, if you like, you know, applying the virtues, having more compassion, getting better at relationships, having a better relationship with money, being able to serve my clients better, um, having good boundaries, for example, working out my codependence issues, you yeah. know, the a kind of like in a way a personal development which incorporates the soul and spirit which for me felt just like such a relief to kind of join up these different kind of way ways of kind of thinking so you know incorporating 
um it's more holistic isn't it yeah I guess you know like we have psychology as a you know say we've had psychology from Freud onwards Jung the great sort of thinkers of psychology and we have a really you know in the west a kind of very academic understanding of the way the mind and emotions work and increasingly um neurological technology to help us understand how the brain works um and even so coming being more specific about birth work you know hypnobirthing for example amazing tool been around for what 10 years maybe 15 years um it's a really popular tool loads of clients will use it and it's really good for like mental mastery if you like it really helps us to understand the power of the mind and the power of emotions um and from and so but what I like to add into that and how that works with my clients is that not only so we don't just have a body and our hormones and our this amazing you know organism that's going to birth your baby all these beautiful like amazing wisdom of the body we've got our mind and our emotions that we can help to us through that process but there's we also have an energy body and we have a soul body and so incorporating this kind of multi-dimensional understanding even if you know that this is how I understand it so depending who where my clients are at will be kind of depend about how I might talk to them about it but for most people, like we said at the beginning, most people have had a kind of connection with something awe-inspiring. Most people that I talk to kind of have a sense that there that there is something bigger, a larger intelligence at work. Even if we understand that from um, from the way that our bodies work, the way that ecology works, the way that every single system on the earth is interconnected, there's a there's a kind of bigger pattern that has an innate intelligence to it, the way that, you know, the planets all move through the galaxy and there's there's an intelligence to that. So that for me is like kind of where I would, how I might talk to clients about the soulful aspect of birthing. And then for me, the energy field is what the interface between all of those other dimensions. So we understand as birthing people, as doulas, as birth workers, the massive the impact of what we think and believe about, you know, potentially outcomes in how our birth might, um, the path it might take. And we understand the power, the huge power of the thoughts and beliefs that the doctors, the midwives, the, the institutions, the culture we birth in, that is a huge, it's a huge energetic power in all of that thinking, that culture. But what, how does that interface with our bodies? Well, it interfaces through, ener- through energy. Yeah. So the, the missing link, if you like, between, you know, how, the, how, do, how does um, how we feel impact in our body? Well, it happens through the, the, the energy field. Yeah. So when we understand that and we... And how I would work with my clients is by helping them work by releasing whatever it is, blockages, essentially, in their energy field, or they might be holding it in their body or their mental or emotional plane to 
help them through their pregnancy and birthing process. Mm. And from, and, but ultimately that's guided by their souls, their soul, yeah. the baby's soul, the partner's soul, if there is a partner, and even my soul. And in the bigger picture, there's this kind of, there's the soul of the, of the midwife, potentially the soul of the, any doctor that walks into the room. There's a, there's a kind of, um, there's a, there's a kind of intelligence or. Um, I think what you're saying, Amy, a lot of people can resonate with that. Um, it, and they maybe not have been able to label it because, so I, you know, it's, it's like if you walk into a room, you, you can feel the energy of a room, can't you? When you walk in, you can tell whether maybe someone's just had an argument and it's really not great, or you can tell when people are nice and relaxed. So, you know, to a certain extent, there'll be, a, you know, the majority of people in the world will understand that and be able to resonate that, but maybe maybe not labeled that as spiritual or part or the fact, or even acknowledge the fact that they've got an energetic body as well as a physical. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. And like um, Sam said about her, yantra with the other the gap on it for other like I don't think you you know I've had some of my most profound spiritual in inverted commas conversations with my friends who would call themselves definitely atheist yeah my husband thinks he's an atheist it's rubbish he just thinks (laughs) yeah well I you know I'm not even you know like I I've got a friend of mine who's a neurobiologist he's a he firmly believes in he's an atheist but we we when we work out the language when we just choose to um be broad in our understanding of what the other one's saying then there we can have some very beautiful we've had many beautiful conversations about our experience of life and reality um and it's just the kind of languaging thing that's the thing I think isn't it Amy is that I know for myself when I talk to clients it I it would depend on on what I know about that client and that client's beliefs as to how I talk to them and and the language I use because a lot of what you're saying there um like like I've already said is that I, I know there'll be a lot of people a lot of doula work doula workers birth workers that will resonate with that and will have an understanding of that but perhaps they don't have the words to be able to um, present it to their clients in a way that their clients will understand it. So as doulas, I often say this, we are like little comedians, yeah. Our core is the same on the inside, but we're able to adapt to the clients that we're working with. So some of my clients, I don't talk about any of this with at all ever. You know, some of my clients are really open to it. I guess the same for you, Amy. Some of my clients hire me because they want somebody who's got the same beliefs as them. Um, And and we play it by ear, you know. Some of, I've had, really because I don't want people to think that we only have clients who are like us we have really diverse clients I've had Muslim clients I've had a couple of Jehovah Witness clients you know and they've asked me about my spirituality um and when I was a very new doula I read a really interesting article by Amy Glenn Wright she's a multi-faith chaplain in America and a doula and she's an amazing woman about how we could approach our spirituality in birth and it was just something that I happened to come across and it gave us a really good guide and I if I know that my clients I've had 
um, really deep Christian clients as well. And if I know that my clients have got spiritual beliefs, I'll ask them if there's anything that they want to bring into their birth. But some of my clients aren't interested in this side of it. And that's, that's fine. You know, they don't have to be. We don't. It's kind of buried in my sacred birth art. All my clients get some birth art and, you know, there's like seven sperm for seven chakra and that kind of stuff. But they wouldn't know if they weren't looking for it. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's there. But yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, um, so for me, even with the clients that aren't, wouldn't, maybe the conversations are more um, practical, if you like, or staying more in the, you know, the kind of doula, signposting emotional support practical and not really coming into this realm for me there's still I'm I'm still bringing my sacredness to them so I guess for me another way that it informs how I do that is by um seeing seeing the divine in them all yeah, the time yeah. that this is sacred work that I'm doing um and hot, it's like a kind of way of holding that person in positive regards, no matter what, you know, yes. holding them in, in, and the process as sacred as, and I think that's kind of where it kind of moves into the activism part, because for me, every time we as birth students, whether we just ourselves as spiritual or not every time we're essentially there to help love happen we're there yeah. to anchor oxytocin we are aren't we like you say it's oxytocin and that's that's it isn't it that's what, what we are conditioned as doulas and we know the power of oxytocin so absolutely we're there to make the love happen so if if you think of love, like pure unconditional love as being this kind of ultimate universal force, this ultimate intelligence, this wisdom that exists within all of us, then doulas are essentially doing a sacred job. Yeah. Whether they whether they want to describe it as that or not is totally up to to each doula. It's just how I see it. It's just my like lens that I put on on it. But when when we when we're doing that work, when we're kind of showing up, and that and that can take so many different forms, mm -hmm. you know, being present at a birth, it can be making someone a cup of tea when you go around to visit them after they've given birth and be a listening ear. It can be showing up on an MVP and helping to, um, you know, to helping to change the way policy is and helping to get more um, women and birthing centred policies in place there's many ways that we can show up and um and in act if you like like if that's the acting part like when we go and be at a birth when we go and take a meal around to a family that's just had a new baby or when we go to an mvp or when we go to um you know sign a, a petition or we we get involved in um the recent um but not maternity campaign all of that's acting activism if yeah. you like and the sacred part comes in because we're essentially we're we're kind of hoping to have a positive impact on the people's lives that we're trying to support yeah. through the 
this holding of love essentially bringing the oxytocin as much as possible and that like that totally isn't fluffy that's like no, the not at all. fluffy thing you can think of because to really do that really effectively you've got to have really great boundaries you've got to have clarity in the way you speak and it's you've got to work through so much of your own um you know personal challenges the way that our you know psychology kind of wants to trip us up and get in our own sabotage us you know that's that's kind of the work that we're all doing as as birth workers um and that is like the juice if you like that's the juice it's like where the where the growth happens the growth is personal for all of us and the growth and the growth is and transformation is there for the people who are birthing they're having this like monumental experience of change of transformation of they are not going to be the same people they were before they got pregnant they're going to be this this whole other version of themselves and then there's the social elements which is when we show up when we help to create these positive changes we're we're literally making a social change so it's kind of has like a ripple this... effect isn't it so you you help yeah. them before they then tell somebody else that this is the experience I've had and you can have it too yeah and you and and you know it doesn't matter how big or small your the action that you take as a birth worker is it has that ripple effect and it um and I think you know you could even if you likened it to you know saving one tree if you yes. like that tree is still that's that tree is is still important or some some doulas are involved in campaigns that are about saving a forest for example yeah and or both of those you know things are... and I think that's a really powerful message Amy because there are so many birth workers that get burnt out and that feel so disheartened because you know especially Sam and I obviously hear a lot of negative stories uh, where people have been impacted by uh, their birth experience and so it's very very easy to slip into that mentality of I'm not making a difference this is too little but actually um, you know helping one one family at a time has a, a massive ripple effect it may be take a long time but I think it is like you say it's that impact of changing society at base level rather than attacking those people that are oppressing it, it it's a, it's attacking it at base level to, to um, make those changes so when we change birth for one woman one family then we change the world that's what I say yeah. exactly it's not just one family you're affecting is it when you're just supporting one one family it's not just them and when I did some, I did some druid training, although I didn't finish it. Um, you know, one of the things that Christopher Hughes talks about is making change in your own square mile. And that yeah. if everybody makes, makes change in their own square mile, then all those changes add up to massive change as well. It doesn't all have to be big and loud. And, you know, and, and, and I'm going to go back to a podcast we've recorded with the one that the Becky's talking about with Sheena, where activism I try really hard 
be kind all of the time um, and it is part of my spiritual beliefs I don't talk about it that much but people say why are you so kind why are you so helpful why do you do this that or the other and it's because part of my fundamental belief system is that we should try and be kind and and as I've talked about before I, it's why I don't buy into cancel culture why I don't believe in naming and shaming because I only I, I can make the change that I can make if that makes sense and I can yeah. make that by being kind and if I was allowed if I if I changed my fundamental core and started being actively unkind to individuals, you know, I want to make changes to the system. I want to make changes for individual families and to the people I support online. But I don't want to do that by being like cruel to other people or what I perceive as damaging to my my core system. So the sacred activism that, that Amy talks about is very much a part of who I am and what I do. I can't like just get it because it would make my life easier. And yeah. I actually think Sorry. this is really, really important for new doulas because I um, I come into contact, as I know you do, Amy, with, with new doulas. And especially at the moment with the pandemic, there's a lot of talk of how am I going to get clients? How am I going to work? You know, and, and there's a lot of um, just feeling of not being able to help. And so actually by, and, and I guess part of it is, you know, they listen to the podcast. I've had a lot of people saying, I listen to your podcast. I want to help, I want to make change. Um, and what I'll say to them is, you know, that there are plenty of activists doing work at top level, you know, attacking those patriarchal systems that are oppressing people. But there are also thousands of doulas and birth workers um, who are at base level supporting families where it's actually needed. And so, you know, don't worry that you're not the loudest or you're not, you know, sending letters to your trust. You know, there are people doing that. Um, so if you're not in the place to do that, which I know I wasn't a few years ago, um, you know, becoming an activist is quite a, a new thing for me. Um, is that we, we make such a difference on that base level. Mm, it's really true and I think it's really there's something for me about um one that that on a from a soul level that we're we're all incarnating to bring something unique to the world yeah and there's no point comparing ourselves to anybody else although it's often many of our downfall you know it's a very human <laughs> thing yeah, to, yeah but you know we might all be you know even within the, the beautiful family of birth work if you like there are going to be many different ways that we can show up and different things that will be particularly called to and different talents we have you know some people write beautifully and some people do amazing podcasts and <laughs> some people are great for you know negotiating at MVP level or trust level or you know they want to that's their kind of their skill set um you know for some people they, they want to campaign around um, the black mortality rate differences, disparities in birth. And, you know, there are people um, doing lots of amazing, you know, like Ruth Dennison is doing amazing mm -hmm. work to tackle um, the breast breastfeeding issues for, for black and Asian women in this country. You know, yeah. the, the lack of support um, that specifically looks at those communities. Um, so, we, can't, we can't all do everything. I think that's the point, isn't it? And I know I was speaking to a mentee this week, and you've probably done the same with your mentees, because I know you, you both mentor, is that it's about playing to your strengths. It's not about looking and seeing what everyone else is doing and, oh, I have to do X, Y and Z. It's about thinking, what can I do? And really putting your efforts into those things that you can, because everybody has 
has something to bring to the table for expectant families. Yeah, totally. I think that's really right, isn't it? And we're not all going, you know, we've all have different life experiences, mm. for example. So, you know, we, some people have, you know, might have a different story or their why for the birth work is slightly different. You know, for example, I went through the maternity system and in a relationship with a woman so co-parent with um, a, a woman so my family is a kind of queer family and now with a with set parent kind of situations so that kind of gives me a, a slightly different perspective that than you Becky or you Sam but you know you've got other things that you um you know you know for example my birth wasn't my birth with my child was not straightforward um so there was a big why for like why do I want to help improve you know outcomes for for birthing people is a lot to do with the fact that my birth did not go the way that I hoped it was going to and yeah. I really understood the you know the the system that kind of was really what had got in the way of my birth outcome not really anything to do with my body or my baby's you know innate ability to give birth so some people you know we've all we've all got unique experiences um, exactly yeah and, and I'm the same um as you Amy my my birth well it's definitely my first one was not a positive experience and that's what made me want to get involved with birth work and you know I'm quite passionate about supporting breastfeeding families um you know I've, I've podcasted about it and, and written about it that um you know that's why I'm so positive you know I'm so passionate about supporting those people that want to breastfeed because it just didn't happen for me um and so yeah you're right that, that we just have to play to our strengths and, and there's many reasons why we all come into birth work um and they're, they're all very varied but we just have to play to our strengths and I just want to pick up on one thing before we sort of tie the podcast up that you said earlier uh, about uh, you know when we're talking about the energetic body and you know spiritualism and that, that some people are really not ready for that or, or whatever and there are a lot of um doulas that perhaps are not in in that camp inverted commas um but i would suggest that um i would say 100 percent of doulas use the brains analogy and for me when i use the brains analogy the one thing i highlight above all else is i for intuition and when we talk about intuition we are talking about that connection we are talking about uh, really getting in touch with our bodies and connecting with um, what you know the stuff that we don't connect with on a day-to-day -day basis when we're very you know in the in the real world in the materialistic world it's about that really trusting that inner knowing so I would go as far to say is that everybody that uses the brains analogy firstly is you is tapping into their their spiritual connections uh, and that actually it is a very pivotal part of birth work um, whether doulas choose to acknowledge it or label it as such I definitely think it is at the basis of, of all birth work. Mm, I think that's a really good point isn't it and I think also we also acknowledge that for birthing people we are there is a more there's an intuitive there's a deepening of intuition that happens through the birthing process pregnancy and birthing process so that kind of baby brain mushy yeah. smooshy like we you know that women and birthing and pregnant people often talk about is like I can't do my job anymore well probably that's because you're 
you're more intuitive could say female side way of thinking is kind of developing coming on board you know we've all been conditioned in a very if we want to call it male patriarchal white way of kind of being in the world yeah and birth as we know is not linear it's not it doesn't fit into that patriarchal model which is why we have kind of so many you know there's a bit of um, discomfort shall we say between the needs of the birthing person and the system that is trying to trying to support them but actually probably isn't um there's a if you think about that as um that softening that intuitiveness that that energetic awareness that's that kind of um deep knowing that deep wisdom um yeah I think birth is a really prof profound space for that transformation being part of what happens through the through the birthing process yeah and it is I think every mother will, will acknowledge that you are a different person when you've had a baby to the, the one that you were before you had any babies it is a massive change to you personally yeah, on, on all levels physical emotional um and spiritual yeah because and think you know we how many times do we say to our clients the babies don't come with a manual you know yeah. all babies are different and we all have to learn our own babies we have to learn because it's about relationship it's about love and yeah. that you know that is a a spiritual thing that's a that's a sacred thing and mm. I, I guess I guess the you know thinking of sort of sacred activism is like that is kind of why would we any of us want to protect preserve honor life is because of this belief or experience of it as being holy you know mm. when does when does trauma happen? When does violence happen? When does discord happen? It's, we, you know, Muji, the, one of the great spiritual teacher, um, said after George Floyd died, was murdered, he said that is, that is someone completely lose the, the, the system in which those police officers were acting has made, has disconnected them from their true essence as people yeah. and we can kind of extrapolate that out to any kind of system where it if we're disconnecting from the the deep core sacred holiness humanity of life then this is where we get oppression this is where we get violence this is where we get harm causing and so our job is kind of to to counter that to yeah. to, to work through that in ourselves and and help our help change the, the culture in which birthing happens mm -hmm. i think you're right there as well and i think we hear that and see that a lot with midwives and healthcare professionals that are you know they've lost that you know why they came into the profession of midwifery in the first place they've lost that humanity sometimes because they're hung up on guidelines um and you know even when those guidelines don't seem to be um what's the word I'm looking for common sense then they still follow them because those are the guidelines and I think that's what you're talking about isn't it there that you, you know connecting back to that reason they wanted to be a midwife and, and that humanity uh, and understanding those people and, and why they want to birth how they want to birth 
and and it's really you know we all know you know you have many midwives get in contact with you guys about you know the trauma that they experience working and that system is really it's it's not being designed for holiness it isn't designed for sacredness it's designed for power over and profit in a way it's 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 designed to keep power centralized in in a certain space yeah it's not designed to put give the power back to the birthing person and it's not designed um to kind of share power or yeah. you know how Nabon talks about power with and power over it's that's true with midwifery is power with it's like how are we working together to um facilitate this powerful experience that you're having as a birthing person for that your baby to be born but um that's quite like that's quite um transformational that's quite radical that's quite like shaking stuff up you know yeah. just that very notion of where where do where is power located and i and i think that is also a spiritual can be answered in a spiritual way because if we're finding our own power from within that within ourselves within our connection to the oneness that is radically at odds with power being given to us from outside yeah so it's um so i think that's also another way that the activism kind of intersects or the way that that works does that does that make sense what i'm saying it does yeah yeah i think we could sit here all day and have massive conversations about this i've had several spiritual conversations with you amy and and it never gets boring talking to you about this stuff (laughs) but we're going to wrap up the um the podcast now and i don't want to go without just mentioning the fact that you've got a couple of courses coming up for anyone thinking about becoming a doula um, and that's through developing doulas just and we'll put links up with the podcast Uh, and we were talking about playing to your strengths you got two courses coming up one is specifically for doulas working in London because obviously that's that's where you've done most of your doulering yeah Uh, and the other is for those that are um uh what's the word those that will class themselves as LGBTQIA and other um as a safe space uh for anyone in that group that's perhaps doesn't want to join one of the usual developing doula courses which are also inclusive but perhaps you know a safer space and also to deal with any issues outside of um outside that would affect um working yeah that's right and i think it's it's going to be an interesting so that that one's going to be online so open to anyone wherever you live yeah even outside of the uk totally up for that um just putting it out there um, <laughs> so yeah it's going to be exactly the same syllabus as the developing doulas course and it, yeah. and all the people who come onto that cohort will get the opportunity for in-person um integration days with all the other people that have done developing doulas courses while they've been um online through yeah. the pandemic time so there will be time for like mixing with all the other developing doers community so it's not in in any way meant to sort of be a little ghetto yeah but it's 
the and of course if you're gay queer lgbtq plus and you want to do a course that isn't within you know you're totally free to go and do yes. one of the other courses the london course or maddie or zara or anyone else's course it's important yeah. that you've got that space though for people that perhaps aren't comfortable outside of, of their own community i think, I think what, what, we, what we need to say is the course was requested it's not an attempt to segregate the LGBTQIA community. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think oh, like, we're talking about playing to playing to strengths. And uh, Amy, you've obviously got a lot of experience in that area, so you'll be the best person to to support new doulas coming on. Yeah, because I think well, I think from my my experience, just even sitting in on you know the courses through the year, this two thousand and twenty last year, um, different conversations will arise due to the the group dynamics and whatever the and we have to trust that the right people turn up for the right course and there are these beautiful synchronicities that will happen so really it's like okay so what 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 are the specifics about being a queer doula what how do we address things like coming out do you come out to your clients do you not come out to clients is it relevant is it not relevant what you know is there any fear around that kind of thing what are your if you've been a parent you are a parent if you've given birth or some, you know been a birthing person's partner um co-parent what are your experiences of that through the system is that you know you're debriefing your birth or breastfeeding chest feeding experience that might be slightly different in this particular cohort that's going to be a kind of safe space um, that's my intention is to create a safe space. Because those questions wouldn't necessarily come up in one of the standard developing doulas courses. Well, I mean, they they have come up with. It's not. I don't. Those questions are. They have come up, and they are. It is possible that they get answered yeah. in the the other courses. It's just. I think it will give um, a different depth. There'll be a kind of range of experience to draw on. Um, and hopefully it will be lots of fun because I, I'm, I'm, I obviously I spend a lot of time with mostly straight doulas and that's great and we have a lot to talk about always and sometimes it's nice to be in a space where like you have a very specific identity similarity and that yeah kind of creates a different atmosphere you know it's a I, so it's about peer support isn't it it's it's having yeah. that, that connection yeah absolutely. I think that's exciting I'm and so excited it is, it is really exciting so we're going to just wrap the podcast up is there any um like last words that you want to say Amy um to the and plug something else of course you yeah. can thanks <laughs> <laughs> right. um so um I'm just finishing my the second cohort of um a, a, a circle a sharing circle and exploration around the sacred birth sort of topics and we'll I'll run another one this year probably over the summer so it's happened twice now once in March April time the beginning of 2020 had a very strong kind of intuition and guidance around a sort of a program around exploring some of the topics that we um, experience or challenges we have as doulas through the lens of this kind of sacred activism energy work 
and um yeah both of them have been really amazing we're on our, we're having our last session next week with the current cohort um so that's a, there's an opportunity if anyone who's listening is interested to kind of explore some of these topics from their own their through their own experience and go a bit deeper themselves then that that could get in touch well, you can give us the link we'll pop it up on the podcast yeah. amy and then it sounds really really good it's definitely something that's on my list to do um hopefully <laughs> i'll get on this, this year and, and you laugh i know because my list to do is very long yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, but thank, um, um, Sam, have you got anything to say to Amy before we go? No, I, I've loved talking to you, Amy. It's just been incredible. Plug anything you like. Send us any links. Oh. Like, honestly, <laughs> and that's what we're here for. Um, oh. But yeah, I find that a lot of what you're talking about really, because this is the first time I've discussed anything like this with Amy, it really is in tune with what I already think, I think. Um, it's nice. lovely it's been so nice and I really did enjoy listening to you talking about your Catholic school experiences in yes. such a way <laughs> yeah I, I really liked that it, it was really pleasant it makes a pleasant change thank you very much <laughs> thank Amy, you Amy, just give us one um, guarantee that you'll come back and talk to us perhaps next time you might want to talk about uh, if we time it for after you've done the lgbtqia mm. course maybe just to feedback how that went um because hopefully then that will mean that you'll continue to do those courses as well yeah that would be fab yes i'll fantastic. let you know how it goes thank lovely you. thank you so much for joining us amy it's been absolutely fantastic to have you here and i know that everyone is going to love listening to this podcast so uh, it's going to be great um, so we'll say goodbye for now and see you all on the next podcast Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Birth Activists podcast. Until next time.